the Plotcast podcast with the Potty Plotters, sponsored by the Green Deco, making your garden beautiful. Hello and welcome back to the Potty Plotters Plotcast podcast. This is episode 30 and we've had to come inside, haven't we, Elaine? We have because it's still chucking it down out there and um, it is still summer. It is. I just thought I'd remind everybody it is summer. I've actually put my top on as well. Not that I hadn't got a top on, but I put another top on. Extra top. I'll have, yes. Because it's August. And not only is it August, it's National Allotments Week. But before we go to that, I'm Julia still, and you're Elaine, obviously. Yeah. And uh, we've got some social media she can get hold of us on. You certainly have, and I certainly will look at them if people will get in touch with us. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Potty Plotters. We've got a TikTok account at The Potty Plotters. Email us, naughtycorner at pottyplotters.uk. Or check out our website, pottyplotters.uk. Contact The Potty Plotters anytime on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Potty Plotters. Or email naughtycorner at pottyplotters.uk. So, as I said, National Allotments Week. Oh, well, did we get that trumpet voluntary thing? No, no we still no. didn't get that. Oh, fine. Fair. But to us, it's like Christmas week, isn't it? Well, it's more like London Fashion Week. Is it? I think so, yeah. I it it's changed the <laughs> Julia, no. no. You'll be fine. But it is a very exciting time, isn't it? And it's the time that a lot of people get in touch. It's the time where I think that we can... I was going to say blow our own trumpets, but generally speaking, that's when people parade up and down with all the veg that they've been growing, their fruit and their flowers, and we talk about it all the time. Well, we anyway. Yeah, it's the height we of do. the season. A lot of allotment yeah. sites open up to show yeah. what they're doing and to yeah. show off. And, you know, it's our community. It's where we live, really, isn't it? And it's something that we love. And in this podcast, we've been speaking to people about why they've got an allotment. And it's been fascinating as to why some people have got an allotment. Looking round at some, I wonder why they've got an allotment, but that's another story altogether. But we've also been talking to uh, Bethany, Bethany Leake from Sheffield University, and she's eager to find out why people um, eat the way that they do with the stuff that they grow on their allotments. And she's going to be doing some research over the next year about that. So I'm fascinated, and she will be when she sees what I eat. It's a lot. <laughs> I don't think there's enough room on that form to fill in, is there, for what you eat? And finally, we've also got an interview with Ed Morrison, who is one of the founders of the Roots Allotments, which are kind of growing in the Bath area. They've got a site in Bath and it's growing in that area. And it really ties in well with National Allotments Week and the theme this year, which is all about soil health, because Ed's allotment sites are all no dig, Elaine. Which I've never heard of before. I mean, I know about no dig, but I've never heard that about a whole allotment site. No. So I'm fascinated as to what is going to tell us about that. Yes. Okay, then. Right, in between E, we have had people contact us, Julia. It's exciting. I know, I know, it's a bit ridiculous. But first of all, let's hear about Deb. Didn't Deb contact us from Nottingham? Yeah, Deb, she says, Hi there, I'm Deb and have an allotment in Woolerton. To cut a long story short, I could do with some guidance on how to use it and use it to its full potential. It's a not uncommon question. We get lots of people who first come up here. I can think of two this week, actually. 
and um, they're very excited and want to start growing straight away. And what I would say to you, Deb, is look at the whole plot, measure it, and then I would draw it and start planning. And my best advice, I think, is don't do what everybody else does. Think about what you want to do. What's going to work with your lifestyle? If you want to put raised beds in, put raised beds in. That does not mean a plank of wood literally on the soil. Fill them up to the top and then you'll probably get things a lot faster than if you leave them in the floor. Are you going to put fruit bushes in? Are you actually going to put any flowers in? Where are you going to put them? What about access? What about paths? What about a shed? What about a greenhouse? And so it goes on. I'll just plan it. I'll just uh, break into you there, Elaine, and say... For anybody on an allotment site, all sites have got different rules. Yeah. So our site is quite flexible and obviously historically people have been allowed to build some very big buildings, but some sites don't even allow a shed, allow a greenhouse. Some sites are very anti-flowers, anti-raised beds. So just check the rules before you start doing anything. Have a wander around the site yeah. as well. It's always a good thing to have a wander around and look at other people's plots to see what they're doing. And yeah. if you like what they're doing, stop and ask them why they've done it like that. Mm -hmm. There may be a good reason for doing why they've done certain things like they do. And as we always say, you know, just because you've inherited, you've taken on a plot doesn't mean you have to take on everything that's there. You wouldn't buy a new house and just live in it as it is. You normally want to decorate it and put your own style on it. So that's what we suggest. Definitely. Let us know how you go on, Deb. Just thought I'd add that bit in, Julia. Okay, and the next person, Julia, who's been in touch? Well, it's Trudy James on Messenger. On Messenger? From what? <laughs> it's not a place, it's a thing, Julia. Yeah, oh, she's actually from Derby. Oh, is it one of them IT things, a Messenger? Oh, okay. Okay. I think I have lost the gooseberry, blackcurrant and raspberry bushes due to the climate. Any suggestions? Well, it depends what damage you've got. That's what I would say, because um, my bushes have done really well this year. And that's because I mucked around them. I, I, <laughs> bought, I bought loads of muck all the way around them. You at the <laughs> back end. And then... Um, They've done really well again this year. So that's what I tend to do. But what I would do is uh, look at whether or not they're too dry. When you say climate, I'm wondering if they are actually dry. And um, maybe what I would do is look at where it is that you've put them because they do like a shaded area and mine definitely are doing well in a shaded area. So if it is that um, if you snap one of the little twigs off and see if there's any green inside, That'll show you that they're still alive. But if not, why not invest in some new ones? That's what I would say. And perhaps start all over again. But think about, again, where you're going to put them. Yeah, it is important location, isn't it? Yeah. And they don't like to be too exposed. So if it's a windy area, you know, perhaps move them somewhere. They like the sunshine as well. So it's uh, it's all about... And also adding uh, nutrients into the soil before you plant them. Definitely. And don't forget, birds love the gooseberries and they love the um, raspberries and red currants as well. So is it that that's actually causing the problem? Do you need to net them? Think about it. But if you have any more problems, contact us. OK. And finally, we're going a bit further afield now. We've had a contact from uh, Peter Marfleet from Windsor. Windsor. I've been to Windsor. It's stories to tell you, but it's set too long. You've been everywhere you are. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I have been to Windsor and I've got some memories from there. So uh, beautiful place. You went to see the Queen. Uh, 
actually, no, I'll think to see, um, oh, what's her name now then? Uh, the Duchess of um, oh. Harry's wife, Megan. Megan, yeah. No, I didn't <laughs> to see her. I went to see her dress, her wedding dress. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It was a waste of It was very lovely. But anyway, yeah. So what? What does Peter want? <laughs> so Peter says, "Hi, ladies. Firstly, love your podcast. He listens, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Well done. Been into growing and gardening since injuring my ankle. <laughs> <laughs> We're not laughing at your injury. It's the way that Julia read it. And now I'm obsessed." But could you help with two problems? Firstly, one of my best tomato plants snapped in the recent winds mm. and is hanging on by a tiny part of the stem. Is there a way I can save them? Also, um, I'm sending you a picture of black fly uh, that is absolutely smothering my courgette plant. What can I do about it? Thanks again and keep up the good work. Oh, that's nice. Thanks, Peter. Um, Well, let's go first of all to the tomato. Yeah. What would you suggest, Queen of Tomatoes? What I would suggest is if it's only hanging on by a small uh, part on the stem, it's probably probably past it, really. Um, And if you try and patch it together, you're only going to be introducing diseases and and other problems. The chances of it getting going are quite small. It may reshoot from the um, stem. And that's probably your best bet of getting any tomatoes off that. Otherwise, you could take a side shoot off any of the bit that you've still got growing and maybe try and start another plant. The other thing is, Juliet, using that old phrase that we use all the time, there's always next year. And we've learned and Peter's learned from doing it the way that he has. So next time, better support for the weight of the tomatoes that you've got. Absolutely. Now, the other question that he sent about the courgettes and he sent a photo, I did look at the photo. And one thing I noticed straight away was he'd covered his courgettes with EnviroMesh. OK, don't take it off. The pollinators can't get through that. No. So what I would do is open that right up to the elements and make sure that the pollinators can get in. And, uh, and get to the flowers, because otherwise we won't have any fruit. Yeah, first of all, you'd have no fruit because of the pollinators. And also, there's nothing to eat, your black fly. So the ladybirds can't get in and tromp their way through them. So again, courgettes do not need any netting. We've don't not really seen much of a problem with courgettes, have we? No, not this year for a change. That's because it's so damp. Yeah. Did I say that it was raining? Yes. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. Sponsored by The Green Deco. And now we're going to talk to Bethany Leake. And Bethany is doing a research study while she's working at Sheffield University. The impact of food growing on the diet of allotment growers. Um, so we're hoping the study will kind of assess our diet, particularly fruit and vegetable intake, very seasonally. And the impact of this on the nutrition of allotment growers. Um, so kind of is what you're growing having a big impact on your health? Um, so growers who sign up will be asked to fill out an online food diary of what they're eating and drinking for three days every month for 12 months. Um, and the study is open to allotment holders across England and registration will close at the end of the year, so the end of 2023. Um, and we're really hoping the study will help to provide some more evidence of the dietary benefits of urban horticulture and the potential of this kind of the practice of using allotments to be um, kind of used to improve public health across the board. So, Bethany, what's the purpose of the uh, research? Is it to get more allotments? Is it for people, <laughs> is it for the government to say that everybody should have an allotment and grow their own vegetables? Yeah, I think it's particularly to kind of identify 
um, the specific benefits. So I'm looking at health benefits, but also obviously um, there's lots of research going on in environmental benefits as well. Um, but this study particularly wants to see um, does having an allotment have a big impact on your diet? Are you able to have um, a kind of more varied diet in terms of fruit and vegetable intake? Um, and then does that kind of translate nutritionally? Um, and if so, would it be kind of beneficial for more allotments to be available for people? And should we maybe be promoting people to do smaller scale gardening as well, if that could have a little bit of an impact on your health as well? Um, so, yes, I guess it's kind of more evidence for, for more allotments, hopefully. And the thing is, it isn't such an arduous task because it's not like we've got to do it every day. We're just doing it for three days a week. Is that right? Three days every month for 12 months. Oh. So it's not even every week. That's brilliant. Uh, I've just had a thought, Elaine. Good Lord. I think, <laughs> I think we might need to leave the days off where we have cake. <laughs> because I have to say, Bethany, although we do eat, eat very well and very healthily, we do eat a lot of cake and drink a lot of tea and eat biscuits down here. So um, I think we need to avoid those days so that you get a really healthy picture of us. <laughs> I think everyone eats cake. That's totally fine. Any day of what you're eating. And how many people do you need for this study to be a real thing? Yeah, so we're looking for about 100 to 200 people across England, but as many as we can get, really. I, I don't think we'll be unhappy to have more, just as many people are as happy kind of to be take part. It would be great to have it as representative as possible, different types of people as possible as well, to get a really big range of what people's diets are looking like um, from different communities um, across the country. So how do people get in touch with you to get involved in this? Because I think it's really exciting. And um, I write as much as I talk, so you'll have a lot of paperwork coming through from me about <laughs> what I eat. But how do people contact you? Yeah, so you can get in touch with us to find more information or if you want to participate in the study um, by contacting us by email. Um, so we're at urbanharvest at sheffield.ac.uk. We're also on Twitter, which is at urbanharvest underscore UK. So don't forget, if you want to get in touch with Bethany and get involved in her research, contact her by emailing urbanharvest at sheffield.ac.uk. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. It's National Allotment Week and we've been out talking to people about why you have an allotment. My name's Stacey and um, we've just got an allotment so it's our first day today. I got it with my husband. We got it due to obviously wanting to grow our own produce and my father-in-law passed away last year so he put us down for an allotment and I just feel like it's somewhere to come where we can just for our mental health just have a break and just enjoy it. Hello my name's Aidan and I've got an allotment just to be outside for a couple of hours every single weekend it's brilliant um, usually it's like an eight hour shift Saturday and Sunday but we do have lovely lunches because of our lovely dinners and with the veg we grow and also we're hungry so we go off and get nice lunches and dinners. Hi my name's Kath I've got an allotment with my husband he does flowers I do veg it gets us out because we live in an apartment it's kept us going all through Covid this is my fourth year I think this year and I love it. My name's Ralph I've got an allotment because I like the reason to be outdoors and it's good exercise and I'd rather do that than be in a gym I think and there is the bonus that you get nice things to eat and nice people to chat to. We'll hear more stories later about why you've got an allotment.
This episode of the Plotcast is being brought to you by the Green Deco, suppliers of plants and shrubs to the trade and public at unbelievable prices. Find them by searching online for the Green Deco, G-R-E-E-N-D-E-C-O. And they're also linked from our social media. Have a look and see what they've got. We have... So let's hear more of your stories about why you've got an allotment. Hi, I'm Layla and I have an allotment with my husband, George. Uh, One of the reasons that I got an allotment with George was to make sure that we spent some more time outside in the fresh air. We both work long hours and we wanted to get outside, get our hands dirty, uh, get in the elements and uh, reconnect with nature. Hello, I'm Helen from Plot 9 at the allotment. Um, I met Aidan and he convinced me that coming to his allotment every weekend was a great idea. So that's why I come to the allotment. However, I love it that the fact that in November we get a little bag of seeds and then by June and July we've got a whole 30-foot allotment full of produce and flowers and beautiful things to eat. My name's Stuart and I've got an allotment because I do like getting stuck into hard work and it is hard work when you first start it gets easier as you go along also it's organic food and it obviously tastes a lot better than the stuff you buy in the shops hi my name's eric morning my name's jackie and we have an allotment because a we like to keep fit we like to have something to do we enjoy the outdoors and we're running out of things to do at home yeah it's true really well we, we thought we had time for an allotment and we have really it's just once we get down here we don't want to leave yeah it's, it's nice being down here and it's only when you get down here you realize i have we have still got things to do at home we need to get back and do these things but yeah we still enjoy it and we still enjoy being outside hello my name is george and i got an allotment with my wife layla one of the realities that set in earlier on was just how much work there is to do the rewards are there but you do have to put the work in the Potty Plotters Plotcast with simple recipes for gluts and guts. Right, today, Julia, National Allotments Week, let's go out with a bang. And I tell you what, if you do this right, you probably will, but not until Christmas. So I'm just going to tell you all about pickled shallots. I've actually grown the shallots, I've dried the shallots, and I tell you what, they are ready now to be pickled. How do you do it? Well, the reason I'm going to tell you this one is simply because... A lady quite recently, when we went out and about, asked me whether or not we salt our shallots. Now, that's a thing that people do overnight, i.e. they take all the skin off the shallots and then they put them into salted water. And then what happens is they leave them overnight and you pickle them the next day, having washed off all the salt. Short cut now. I know you're going to be amazed, but by crikey, this actually works. I do what my mum did. All that she ever did was take all the skins off, put them into a bowl, wash them and then put them into vinegar. No need to bother with the salt. Put the lid on and put them in the storage until Christmas. That's when you can use them. Reminds me of when I was a kid with my grandma. She used to do them and you used to eat them and then it made your eyes water. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. Sponsored by The Green Deco. 
It's National Allotments Week and this week we've decided to do something a little bit special and speak to someone who's got who's set up an allotment that's a little bit different. So well, is it is it not an allotment then? Is it something different, totally different? No, it's an allotment, but it's a different style of allotment. Mm. So I'm going to introduce Ed Morrison and he's set up with a group of friends, the Roots Allotments in Bath. Ed, hello. Tell us all hello, about hello. it. Hello. <laughs> I love that you say Bath. Just want to say that. I also say Bath. I was raised by Northern grandparents. Uh, so, so just hearing Bath is a breath of fresh air because I'm surrounded by baths. Oh, <laughs> oh that's good. Tell you what we also say, which people like, we say a lot of muck. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Love that. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, yeah. I set up an allotment site with uh, two of my best mates uh, about two growing seasons ago. And it is just going absolutely balmy. Like you said, we've done something a bit different. When people come to our allotment site, they don't tend to be faced by six foot high weeds and 30 to 50 hours worth of work to turn it into something that they can use. They can literally get going straight away. I give them a big pack of organic seeds, give them some plug plants, give them some chip potatoes and then on their welcome slot, I teach people how to plant. I show them spacings. I like basically give them a quick 101 there and then on the spot. So if you're a total newbie, you're not coming into it blind and you have a bit of confidence with the growing because I just believe that the more people who can grow vegetables, the better and happier our society will be. Well, we agree on that, but I'm just going to rewind right the way back to one of your first sentences there. Go on then. And um, that is, you were talking about when people first arrive, they're not confronted with six foot high weeds. So yes. what are they confronted with then, Ed? What is it that you give them? <laughs> they get a no-dig patch, which has got four to six inches of compost put on top of it. And it should be totally weed-free because we have a patch manager who looks after all of the allotment site. And then when they just come down, they can have a fantastic experience instead of going, oh my gosh, how do I deal with that? Like the instant reaction isn't stress straight away, which God, we all know gardening should not be a stressful experience. It should be an enjoyable, fun, a sort of elevating experience where you can heal yourself and eat fantastic produce out the other end. So one of the things you mentioned there is it's completely no dig and the whole site is no dig, isn't it? Can you just tell the listeners what no dig is all about? Yeah, so no dig is the concept of not disrupting the soil because within the soil we have these microorganisms that process the minerals and the nutrients into a state which is more bioavailable for plants to absorb. So with no dig, you put a layer of cardboard on the ground then you put four inches to 12 inches of compost on top of that cardboard. The cardboard breaks down, the worms and microbes come up and work your bed for you. There's an amazing guy called Charles Dowding. He's been sort of pioneering this technique for the last 40 years. And he was my inspiration to get into No Dig during lockdown. And when we were speaking about launching an allotment site, we just thought, well, why don't we just make it 100% No Dig? And it actually turns out that it is the world's first 100% no-dig allotment site. So it's a really lovely feeling being able to spread the sort of change that needs to happen in industrial agriculture on a micro level and educate people how we can change our ways and grow 
in a more nature friendly way where we're not sort of disrupting and extracting from the soil. We're actually building its health up over time, which leads to higher yields, less watering, less weeding. It is a win-win. It's a total win-win. And Charles has been doing a 15 year comparison of dig versus no dig down at his homemakers. And he's got about a 10 to 15% higher yield. So the science is starting to speak out on it. And it's just like, why would you want to spend all your time doing all the digging and the back breaking stuff when you can spend more time doing the creative side of gardening, which is enjoying sowing, planning out your patch, designing it, raising plug plants. It's like all of those things are for me, are the most enjoyable parts and the most healing parts of gardening. And I really don't like digging lots. <laughs> like my my yeah. back is not great after spending seven years behind laptops in London. Like <laughs> I, I absolutely love being outside, but I don't want to do the digging. <laughs> no, no. So, and you mentioned Charles Dowdin, and I noticed there is a connection. He's obviously got quite involved in the site, hasn't he? What's what's his involvement with the roots allotments? Just before lockdown, I went to a community growing meeting in Lyme Regis, which is where I was brought up. And Charles was there doing a talk and I didn't stop taking notes on my phone because everything that he said just made so much sense. And I went up to him afterwards and I said, oh, you have, you've just inspired me to try vegetable growing, do something that I've never really done before. And I want to do the no dig. I want to take on a, an acre and set up a market garden. And Charles was just like, yeah, good, good luck setting up an acre market garden if, you, if you've never really done it before. I di- didn't didn't end up growing on an acre. I actually managed to persuade my nan to give me 60 square metres of her back garden. And that's what <laughs> I got God. going on. So, you know, you've got your dreams and then you've got your realities. And yeah. nan, nan kept that in check. But I'm quite glad that she did because I wouldn't know. I totally get what Charles is saying. I would have been overwhelmed with an acre and learning all the new techniques. It would have been a disaster. Um, but I've had such a fantastic, like, sort of time growing over that lockdown period and sort of discovering something that I was totally passionate about. And I came back to London and when I was with my friends Will and Christian we were playing squash we were talking about the idea of allotments and the issues around allotments and access to them we wanted to get one in Lambeth but realized it was a 28 year waiting list and then we sort of dreamed up this roots allotments idea and I said to the guys I said if we're doing no dig then I have to go and speak to Charles and I have to have him involved in some sort of way because he has pioneered this for the last 40 years and for him to not be involved would be a sort of travesty from my opinion. It's like, you know, if you if you set up a nature reserve, you'd want David Attenborough to launch it. Like that's that's yeah. that's what I perceive Charles as within the growing movement and the food movement. He is I call him the no dig don just because he's, you know, we all know he's a fantastic guy. We set up a website for roots in October. We didn't Will knew that his family they come from an agricultural background and farming background. They had farmed this eight acre field on the outskirts of Bath. And he said, why don't we set it up there? So we set up this website. We sold 50% of the patches like within, I think it was two months. And then we had this big realization that we actually had to do the idea because we hadn't spoken to his parents about the field. We haven't, we literally not put any anything in place. So it was like boxing day. I, 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 te- I sent Charles, a me- I sent him an email with a signed calendar that I'd bought from the K 
community growing meeting and I just said, hey, I'd really love a conversation with you. We think we're going to do this crazy project that no one's ever done before. And uh, we'd love to come visit you and speak to you about being involved in it. So we went over to his on Boxing Day and sat around the table and, and basically chatted about Roots. And he really wanted to come on board as an advisor. So it all, it all just started snowballing from there. And we opened our first site in Bath about, what was it, March so three, four months after that. And he came and opened it for us. And it was just like, it's just been such a magical experience, just being able to bring people together and help educate them. We've all like sort of lost our ancestral skills because of supermarkets and globalized food chains. And to have Charles sort of involved in everything, it's, it's, it's a really lovely experience for me to learn from him and spend time with him and also for our members who we shoot bespoke educational content with Charles at Homemakers for the Roots community so it's uh yeah tell you what Ed one thing that I've just noticed is um that's the longest me and Julia have ever been quiet (laughs) (laughs) it is because because we were mesmerised by what you're actually yeah. saying. I mean, it's it's just brilliant. What is it? incredible is not only have you got that site, you've now uh, got two more sites yeah. coming on. Is the plan to take over the whole country? And oh, have, I thought you were going to say world. Well, no, let's just start, like I said, start small, yes. take over the whole country. Are you going to have sites in every city? I would love there to be sites in every city. The project over the last two seasons has shown to me that the power of growing is something that can totally change and enhance people's lives. And I'd, I'd love us to be at every single city in the UK. It would be, and maybe even towns, like if there's appetite for yeah. us to come, then we'd love people to sign up on our website and let us know. Because if we get 400 or 500 commitments or signups, then we can launch a site in your town or city. When you talk about, uh, we call ours plots, you called yours patches. What yes. is a patch? I guess it's just a patch of ground, isn't it? It's uh, a patch of ground to grow on. Uh, and we, how big is had, it? I'm growing on 36 square metres at the moment, and I'm finding that's enough for me to to not feel overwhelmed at the, <laughs> with everything else that I've got going yeah. on. But people can grow up to 108 square metres, or you can take dial it right back down, and if you're totally new and you don't know what you're doing you don't want to commit to a big bit of land um then you can even get a 12 meter squared patch and it is fascinating what what i see people on the site do with a 12 meter squared patch and how much food they can you can actually crop from such a small area if you raise things vertically so if you're growing your squash up a trellis if you're growing your peas you've got your beans on a wigwam and then you've got sort of like salad dotted around them there is a lot you can do and that can that can actually contribute a considerable amount to a like sort of your weekly or monthly food bill. I definitely think that you can pay back the cost of a roots allotment with the veg that you grow on it. I 100% know that. It's a nice accessible way to learn new skills, meet new people and sort of rethink about what community means. Seeing people laugh, make new friends and enjoy themselves is like, it's really heartwarming because we all had such a naff experience with COVID and getting locked down, not being able to hug your grandparents, not being able to see your friends. And last year we did a survey 
at the end of the growing season and our bath members said that 93% of them felt a well-being increase from the experience of growing their own and 60% met someone new and it's like when we're facing a loneliness epidemic in this country a depression epidemic a nutrition crisis it's like all of these metrics really deliver on creating a happier, healthier society. And we used to have 1.3 million allotments in 1945. It also used to be on the curriculum. And now we've only got, I think it's 260,000 allotments in the country, 180,000 people on the waiting list and growing not on the curriculum. When it's scientifically proven that kids who grow their own are twice as likely to eat their five a day, it's like, why are we not teaching children how to grow? Why are we not teaching them a deeper connection with their food chain? I think the power of growing is something that just needs to spread throughout the whole of the UK. So long, very long way of answering that question. But yeah, I would love, I would love roots to be everywhere. I'd love more growing projects to be everywhere. I'd love the government to sort out the waiting list issues. I think it's so important when you look in, look at the second world war, when we had the dig for victory uh, movement, it's like we are in a climate crisis and we're in an econo economical crisis. So why don't we have another dig for victory movement? No dig for victory movement. Like, let's just get growing veg. <laughs> I've never known Elaine be quiet for so long. And I just want to say, <laughs> Elaine, be a campaigner. I was going to say, Elaine has put herself forward to be Minister of Allotments. And I think she would like you to be her deputy. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes, please. How expensive is it to take a patch? Uh, so we start at $9.99 a month. That's for our cheap, for our smallest patch which is the 12 meter squared that includes seeds tools plug plants workshops talks and events we offer discounts for anyone who works in the nhs anyone who is a teacher anyone who is a student and uh, anyone who's a firefighter policeman ambulance worker also if you have income assistance or are on benefits we will also offer discounts on that so the cheapest you could get one of our patches with a discount is probably looking at around £7.50 a month. And that seems pretty accessible to me when you think about Netflix and Spotify costing 15 quid a month or a gym subscription costing 20 to 40, 50 quid a month. Gyms are so expensive. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I get a workout when I'm watering by hand <laughs> with diamond. Yeah, yeah. So I'd much rather be down the allotment site, improving my well-being and eating the product of those hours of commitment that I'm putting into it. People can get in touch if they just pop on our website, www.rootsallotments.com or find us on social media. That's Roots Allotments. Um, drop us an Instagram message or email. We've got a lovely team who all love growing as well. So if I don't answer it, someone will, and we'll hopefully be able to find you a patch. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. So finally, let's hear the last batch of people as to why they have got an allotment. Oh, hi. Yeah, my name's Catherine. Um, I've had the plot here since February and uh, it's been a journey of discovery, I would say. It probably rained for the first three months that I had it and uh, I didn't realise how high a water table could be. <laughs> but it's just been you know a fabulous thing for me really I've absolutely enjoyed digging I think actually I've been thinking about why do I enjoy it so much and it brings out the three-year-old in me that's what it is 
I just it's like a playground for grown-ups that is actually what I've decided because you can't get it wrong you can just move stuff from here move it to there move it back again you know it's endless really so yeah really enjoy it and actually growing things well at the moment I'm not really growing much but growing things is a bonus for me it's just a really peaceful environment where uh, I can play love it hello my name's Ray I've got a lovely allotment with my wife Kathleen and uh, the reason why I do it I've got COPD and uh, it helps me hell of a lot you know with me I don't do a lot of digging my wife does a lot I just mainly do the flowers and I absolutely love it you know and my wife loves it we come down here most days all day some days and I'll get back till 8 o'clock at night so I'm here in Bath with Helen who's got an allotment Helen hello How? hi how long have you had your allotment? Um, about 18 months now. And why did you get an allotment, Helen? I wanted to find a new hobby and um, a few friends of mine were into gardening and I thought I'd give it a go. And what have you found the hardest about having an allotment? I think time. Time has been the hardest thing because um, I have a family, um, I have four daughters, so finding time has been difficult. Um, the first year was okay, and then we decided to get a dog, and then it was very difficult time-wise to con- you know, to, uh, <laughs> to, ca- to carry on um, going up there and um, tending to my crops. Um, so yes, time is, is the hardest thing for me. My name's Becky, and we got an allotment because me and my boyfriend had met about six months previously. And I had my garden where I grew my stuff and we thought it would be nice if we had actually a space for the both of us to grow stuff in. Um, so that's it, essentially. And we like growing our own stuff because we're cheapskates and it's so much fun and I really like watching things grow. Thank you to The Green Deco for sponsoring this episode of The Plotcast and to Bethany for telling us about her research and to Ed for telling us about the allotments in Bath. If you'd like to know more about working with us, are you mad? <laughs> or if you want to sponsor us, why not drop us an email? NaughtyCorner at pottyplotters.uk. And what's coming up next time? Leaks. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And in this weather, don't we know about them? But it's fair to say that we've got plenty of them, Julia. And we're going to revisit them and, uh, and see how they're getting on. And I've seen how they're getting on, but we'll talk about it then. And we'll have a chat with Andy Woodhouse and he's from The Green Deco. So off to do some weeding. Well, I don't know about that because it's still pouring down. But perhaps we'll go and get some flowers. You said not to pick the flowers in the rain. Well, I know, but what I say and what I do... Let's just go and get the biscuit and another cup of tea. The Plotcast podcast with the Potty Plotters, sponsored by The Green Deco, is an Amberland Media production.